Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, Mark Homer here, and welcome to Mark My Words. So recently, I've been sort of refinancing my larger projects and finishing off our other conversion uh, into retail and residential product in the centre of Peterborough. Uh, so sort of still quite involved in, in construction. Obviously, we, we run our own building company. Uh, and um, clearly sort of strategic asset management of our portfolio. So for the rest of this year, I'll be looking towards other opportunities. We've got bubbling. Um, property, residential property is enough money at the moment. Not the easiest time to, to source uh, deals. Um, I generally find when, uh, when the market gets uh, you know into a frenzied state can be better to sit on your hands lots of stuff that i'm doing in our trading businesses at the moment tidying and organizing management accounts and just just making sure they're sort of ticking over nicely um and then clearly we've um, you know we we've got a lot a lot of units to keep full uh and um and and work the debt down Feels great to get our large project aspect complete. Um, I had a look towards the end of last week. Uh, I think we are now something like 98, 99% occupied. Um, there are 159 tenancies in the building, um, which um, clearly is uh, satisfying. Uh, and, and as we come out of the pandemic, uh, clearly that was a, running a construction of that size through the pandemic was um, was was something that, fo let's just say, focused my mind, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's sort of feeling satisfying and uh, a lot of my sort of concerns are ebbing away. So I've got some news stories in front of me, um, particularly uh, around current affairs, what's going on now, property market, you know, how's Rolls-Royce, the wealth of the world's 10 richest men have doubled during the pandemic, stuff about China. Uh, and a little bit on home delivery apps. So let's get started straight in. The property market, it's been steaming in terms of residential specifically. I think industrial has as well. Clearly, retail's had a, a tougher time uh, and offices sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, so record start for 2022. According to the Daily Mail, potential sellers are asking for 44% more valuations than last year. Well, okay, last January, uh, we could have been, well, we were in lockdown. So potentially you're coming off a very low base and and therefore is that a uh, a sort of true reflection of, of what's going on? <laughs> Wouldn't put it past the Daily Mail to slightly distort things, uh, let's just say. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, t typical asking price reaches 340000 But sort of in conjunction with that, they're saying the number of buyers inquiring uh, has gone up 15%. Asking prices are up 7.6% year on year. And estate agents on average only have 12 homes to sell, according to Rightmove. Um, I'm seeing it locally, talking to local agents. They are really concerned about how many properties are coming on the market. There is a lack of supply, strong growth. 
all the ex-counter properties that you know we'd have started off buying at I don't know 70 80 grand you know they're they're they're, they're completing now at sort of 170 uh, and I'm seeing units coming on at 185 190 one on at 200 um you know and that's in the space of 10 15 years um the growth over the last year in those has been probably 10% uh, you know and and maybe sort of 5% the year before so really strong growth really strong rental growth I'd say the rental growth has been stronger even than the the capital growth um and and it looks set to continue due to the lack of supply people wanting to move um the pandemic seems to have pushed people's um desire to move maybe to bigger properties to different areas they're working differently they're working from home um mortgage rates are still low uh just having a chat with harry here he's he's got a a, a residential mortgage at 1.1 percent. that's just a reflection of what's going on in the market um and and lower than pre-pandemic clearly interest rates are expected to go up but really they're just normalizing to where they were before the pandemic and and actually pre-pandemic at 0.75% base rate that was a bit low so you know i, I think the new sort of equilibrium average base rate maybe should be more like one and a half two percent according to the bank of england so we're just really getting back to um, where it should be um so lots and lots of people are are you know, uh, looking to move, they're looking to to borrow. They've got cash. Boris opened his pockets beginning of the pandemic. Rishi piled all the money out. People have got cash, um, and they cancelled their holidays and lots of other things. So um, they're, they're sort of spending those savings now um, on 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 buying properties, and I, I can see that continuing certainly for the first half of this year. But you can see you could see a situation where the rest of this year you get a strong market again. Remember, 2016 we had the Brexit vote. Lots of people sat on their hands, worried about you know a, a recession, worried about the property market dipping, um, and. Once that was resolved and, you know, in people's minds, they could sort of see the future, um, you've almost got a double whammy effect because that happened. Immediately, we went into the pandemic. Now we're coming out of the pandemic. I think a lot of those people that were going to move when we had lockdown in 2020 and prior to that, in the years between 2016 and 2020, they didn't move. Lots of people were, were sort of concerned. So you've got all those people that wanted to move because they needed a bigger house or they got divorced or they got married or their job was sort of moved to somewhere else. Those people are now moving that, that sort of couldn't before. So you're always going to get a double bubble in those situations. And of course, all the newspapers say, ah, oh, the property market is rocketing ahead. And these are all the reasons why. Um, but the reality is, uh, and, and of course, remember at the, at the beginning of this um, current sort of property, you probably call it a boom. Um, the 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 newspapers were saying the narrative was, oh well, it's all because interest rates have been dropped and there's this interest rate holiday. Uh, sorry, uh, I should say stamp duty um, holiday. Um, interest rates were dropped, but you know stamp duty was 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 all, almost became zero for a lot of people. Um, and um, yes, that had an effect, but you know that narrative has now shifted after the market has sort of gained momentum and has continued, uh, even after the intra the um, stamp duty sort of holiday has ended. Um, so clearly, that wasn't the main driver and, and wasn't the only reason why the market got so hot. Uh, but of course, the papers uh, have sort of forgotten that and moved on to the next narrative. The point is, they never really know. They sort of guess. Um, uh, they guess at a few things, but they never know 
quite how much each one of those elements, quite each, quite how much effect each one of those elements has on the market, um, which is quite quite common, really. The, the 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 sort of guessing. So don't always take what they say as as gospel, uh, and don't take interest rate predictions and capital growth predictions uh, that they make as, as gospel either. Um, they're often wrong. Um, you know, most experts are wrong about when they predict which way the market's going to go. No one can really do it accurately because you can't guess, you know, lots and lots of, uh, there are lots of unknowns, lots in terms of what the government are going to do, in terms of oil prices, in terms of commodity prices, in terms of uh, sort of wage growth, everything like that all goes in this big pot and comes out with, um, you know, the, the result is, you know, do houses go up and or down? Um, and um, you never know what ingredients are going to go into the pot. Therefore, you don't know what bake is going to be cake, uh, what what cake is going to be baked. Okay, so on to Rolls Royce. Um, I hold Rolls Royce equities. Harry, who's sitting with me here now, does as well. We 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 both like Rolls Royce for a couple of reasons. Um, if you look sort of historically, they're probably relatively cheap on a on a PE basis. So sort of profits basis. Um, you know, if you think of the UK market, it's pretty unloved since Brexit anyway. Um, Rolls Royce got a slamming because clearly their their biggest market is um, commercial aerospace engines supplying the uh, big commercial carriers, British Airways, um, you know, a lot of the American ca- carriers, Middle Eastern carriers. Uh, all of those airlines um, have been working at um, very much reduced capacity, cancelling aeroplane orders from Airbus and Boeing, uh, and therefore Rolls-Royce has had a, had a tough time. So the, the shares fallen a lot, um, but um, clearly, you know, in the medium to long term, uh, probably a, a pretty good entity. They're investing for the future, sustainable aviation fuels. They're very much at the the, the forefront of uh, you know new engine technology, research and development, making engines more efficient. Looking at new types of fuel to push through, um, you know, engines and you know Rolls Rolls Royce. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're there with General Electric as the two, uh, you know, most eminent aero engine manufacturers, both commercial and and military, um, and and you would imagine that, that that would remain so, certainly for the next sort of twenty thirty years. So they've got to be a, a stock and equity that if you bought them, you'd be happy to hold them for the very very long term. Do I think they'll come back? This sort of one twenty share at the moment. Um, Harry and I got in slightly less than that. Um, probably, probably a good thing. The other sort of uh, string to their bow is the the nuclear power. Mm-hmm. We've clearly got an energy crisis at the moment. This has been building for for quite a while. Gas, uh, a lot of those sort of fossil fuel, coal, uh, oil, all of that stuff is coming to an end. Clearly, we're we're using gas gas as the transition to um, to to create our electricity uh, and to heat our homes, but. Um, in the sort of medium to long term to get to net zero, we're going to have to transition to other stuff. Now, clearly, they, they, you know, they've been talking about hydrogen and, and you know, wind power. There's, there's lots and lots of um, sort of uh, environmentally friendly options. But, um, you know, when the wind doesn't blow, when, um, when you know, the, the sort of hydroelectric energy 
uh, generation doesn't work or you know you you know the sun isn't shining and, and solar isn't pr providing electricity um you know you've got to revert to either using batteries or um you know get, getting energy from say coal gas what whatever it is um if you don't have nuclear power stations now we've got nuclear power stations um you know if you talk to energy experts lots of them say nuclear is the future you know it is um very environmentally friendly it creates massive amounts of energy uh you know sort of negative aspects are the huge infrastructure uh projects with massive investments um uh, you know and take a long time to come online um and of course you've got i don't know the the sort of ukrainian chernobyl and um you know the Jap Japanese Fukushima um, type scenarios, the, the sort of doomsday where you get a, um, you know, the the rods melting down and you get some sort of malfunction um, and a, a big discharge of of nuclear uh, radioactive um, sort of waste and and you know that's carried via wind and and lots of people get sort of ill. Now they're very very uncommon. Those scenarios, uh, you know, don't happen very often. But you know, if you're a population that's been subject to that, clearly you have a sort of disposition towards not liking nuclear energy. Um, in the UK, we're, we're probably not in that situation. But Rolls Royce um, are one of those companies that have come out with, um, or should I say, they're they're developing small modular reactors around the UK. These are going to sort of provide enough energy for, say, a town. Uh, you know, they're going to really help this sort of decarbonisation. Yes, it's significant investment for one of these, but far um, sort of reduced, you know, in comparison with, a I don't know, a size well, you know, or, you know, one of these huge sort of nuclear uh, power plants, you know, like a Heacham or something like that. Um, and uh, they look like the future. Uh, and apparently these are going to be on the grid by early 2030s. Um, so Rolls-Royce are right at the big, uh, right at the forefront of that. Seems popular, seems popular with government. Um, and, um, you know, in conjunction with their... Um, investments and, and and production of um, nuclear uh, power within submarines. Clearly, we've just done the deal with the Australians uh, to uh, produce um, our, um, you, you know, the, the, their sort of version of of our our Vanguard class submarines, um, which um, which are going to need. Uh, nuclear power plants uh, from Rolls-Royce um, and they're going to need all the maintenance that, that comes off the back of that. Um, so they're very well positioned um, for the next few decades uh, to provide these technologies uh, on, on a big scale. So um, I would have thought relatively unloved stock and, and something that's good and probably good to hold over the long term, going to turn good capital growth and, and clearly a good income stream into the future. Clearly, uh, Rolls-Royce are a huge military contractor, winning lots of MOD contracts. Um, and, um, you know, this just solidifies their long-term income streams um, and enables them to finance themselves and make good profits long into the future, such is the way that these big military contracts work.
So the next story I've got is a BBC News article about delivery apps creating the Netflix of food ordering. I've certainly seen uh, a lot of young people, uh, especially, you know, probably get to, you know, chastised for saying that. But, you know, they're addicted to their phones. They're, they're ordering cups of coffee uh, using Deliveroo. You know, Gemma and I just got back from Dubai. There's hordes of these guys running around the, the mall, uh, you know, that our hotel was sort of attached to this holiday picking up food, picking up cups of coffee, taking them to the offices. Uh, you know, there's lots of people addicted to this stuff. Um, I got quite a few takeaways um, when we were there and took them back to the hotel room. Uh, quite enjoy walking out. Um, uh, you know, clearly we, we all need dinner and, um, you know, I, I'd, 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 uh, I'd, I'd probably... Uh, I'd probably not be one so much for for, for downloading the, the Deliveroo app because I can sort of say to my wife, well, I need to go out and get the takeaway. And it, it just gives me a bit of peace and quiet when my you know, my two-year-old's kicking off. Lots of people don't see it this way. They love uh, the, Amaz the Amazon style clicking on apps on their phone. Uh, they get slightly addicted to it. Um, and um, these businesses are doing very, very well. I'm not sure they're hugely profitable at the moment, uh, but businesses like Just Eat, Deliveroo, Uber Eats, DoorDash, um, you know, the, 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 these are clearly the darlings of the market at the moment. Um, you know, flotations going on, lots of investments, really giddy uh, sort of valuations, um, not something that I would get involved in. I prefer the the sort of Rolls-Royce style, uh, you know, utility, old school, making real money rather than sort of um, hoping that in the future they'll make real money and the, the, the sort of profits then uh, catch up with the, the current share prices. So not something that I necessarily invest in. I did very nearly go into something called House Bites uh, a number of years ago. Uh, they were going to be sort of linking up uh, high-end chefs cooking in their homes and 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 sort of delivering food to different houses. I thought that was very very clever, um, but um, you know it uh, it didn't really uh, didn't really go anywhere like like most startups. Um, so you know these these apps are clearly here to stay. They're going to grow, uh, and I imagine a little bit like the the sort of casual dining market, the Pizza Express, or you know the the, the the sort of Prezzo or ZZ Pizza, um, you know, or, or Carluccio's, they'll grow and, and there'll be massive investment uh, and it will go too far. And then there'll be big consolidation uh, and quite a few of them will lose money and lots of investors will lose money. Uh, but at the moment, uh, it seems to be all full steam ahead. Um, and, um, you know, in the US, you've got sort of ghost kitchens and these these kitchens popping up on the outskirts in sort of uh, delivery containers. Um, Kitchen United uh, would, would, would be another, uh, you know, Kitchen United Max. Um, there's, there's a lot of these dark kitchens popping up all over the place uh, and, and clearly they're delivering sometimes really good food um, to people's homes. Um, so you can see the appeal. Okay, so I've got a news story here. Wealth of the world's 10 richest men uh, doubled in the pandemic. And surprise, surprise, this is the BBC with their, their sort of, um, let's just say, leftist liberal agenda. Um, is it true? I don't know. They're talking about Jeff Bezos and, you know, his sort of what his equities are worth on the stock market. Does he actually get to see a lot of that money? It's 
probably not. It's just the sort of Amazon share price. Um, I remember this in the pandemic when everyone was sort of the poor were, you know, finding it more difficult apparently than the richest in society, uh, or, or, or should I say, they, you know, the sort of people with the lowest incomes. Um, they say tend to fare worse. Um, you know, and that, that that's what. I know it's a sort of popular thing to to say. Um, I think it, this is very much dependent on the type of businesses that the richest uh, ten people in the world are, are running. You know, if they've been running tech businesses, if they've been running, I don't know, uh, in, involved with uh, supermarkets, um, involved with things that are online, uh, then I imagine their share prices will have done very very well. Um, you know, if you're talking about. Uh, businesses that uh, require face-to-face contact, uh, I, I don't know, have have a, a sort of you know a live element to them. Maybe retail, physical retail, they won't have done well. Um, you know, and you, you always get sort of winners and losers during these periods. Um, clearly, the richest ones will have got even richer, and so I, yeah, this this sort of story is sort of bound to pop up. Does it mean that the rich are necessarily getting richer? Um, Overall, well, not necessarily, and I, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot that you need to read between the lines with these sorts of stories. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos has lost half his um, half his net worth. If you believe the the stories, he's he's got divorced, and his wife is uh, busy giving away a lot of that money at the moment. Doesn't seem to mention that in this report uh, because um, you know maybe that's not of interest. Uh, to people, clearly the the rich getting richer and um, the poor getting poorer and inequality rising uh, is a divisive story and and sort of has a, a sort of negative impact, a, a negative connotation to it, and and therefore gets readers and and that seems to be what the BBC like to propagate. You'll you'll notice I'm not a not a fan of the BBC. So the next story is um, all about China. Um, and you know, big growth in terms of GDP over eight percent for 2021. So their economy or the the amount of money moving around it has grown by over eight percent for 21. Uh, but a sort of property downturn and it's sort of zero COVID policy uh, having the potential to to add pressure. Um, you know, we've seen all the the stuff about sort of Evergrande and you know the, the the amount of money that it's borrowed and the big development groups, property development groups in China taking huge risk. Um, who knows if this is the Chinese government wanting to clap? Clamped down. Uh, clearly, the president Xi, he he seems a lot. He talks a lot about sort of equality and um, you know how the wealth isn't being shared um, fairly enough in China. Um, so maybe he's sort of trying to send a message. Uh, I know the the central bank and a lot of the policymakers there are are concerned about the the sort of property boom and how long it's gone on for and the, the frothiness in property in that market. Uh, so maybe this is their way of um, teaching them a lesson. There's also a story. About about that says um, that one of the, um, the the sort of owner of or, or one of the, the, the biggest owners of, of that group uh, has fallen out with the president uh, and his his political rival. And as we know in China, um, when um, you know sort of senior Communist Party or, or business leaders uh, fall out with the the, the sort of the, the president or the Politburo. Um, 
interesting things tend to happen. Um, you know, they get accused of, of corruption. Um, you know, maybe they they lose licenses. Maybe the regulator clamps down on them. Uh, lots of them end up in prison for decades or the rest of their life, and some of them get executed. Um, so we have to remember that with um, stories like this, read between the lines, uh, this is communist China. Uh, what's actually going on under the surface? Who knows? Uh, but clearly, eight percent growth in, in in their economy is very very strong. And I, you know, I think uh, in terms of the sort of property development, property price growth in in China has been even stronger than that for many many years. Um, you know, and and it it probably does need dampening. Uh, I know the central banks worried about the the level of borrowing. Uh, I think with Evergrande, they were financing a lot of their 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 sort of developments by using small investors. You know, paying them one or two percent a month. Uh, very very high interest rates, largely unsecured. Um, you know, it's just not really a, a long term solution for. Um, funding a, a property development company. Um, we've seen a lot of that sort of with smaller smaller developers in, in the UK. I'm not sure larger investors, you know, would sort of re, re, uh, meet the sort of regulatory hurdles uh, by using that form of finance, certainly in the UK uh, and in, in Western markets. Uh, but clearly they've let them do it in China uh, and they probably need to get off that addiction uh, and start financing themselves uh, in a more conventional way, using um, using the uh, the sort of public markets, the stock markets, uh, and bank finance. Um, so that has been uh, Mark Homer with a current affairs and news roundup. Uh, hope you found that a value. It's been Mark Homer for Mark My Words. 